We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so your participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your Front Range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome in to the BSN Rockies podcast. It really wasn't talked about back then when I was in middle school and high school about pitching at elevation. And the majority of the staff, I think, except for Marquez, we all came through this system of the Rockies. And, and you can see that this was installed a long time ago. We're going to put a team on the field that's that's going to hit and play defense well, but also have a, a group of pitchers that know what it takes to pitch at this level and also pitching at Coors with everything that goes along with that, with the, you know, altitude and everything. It's very special, and we pride ourselves on it. And once I actually got off the family plan, I actually texted him, hey, I got my own phone bill, and he's like, it's about time. <laughs> so, it was a pretty good one. Did you have adult love before you were on your own phone plan? Um, yeah, I did. I did. I, did. <laughs> I got brought in with runner at second, and I walked the eight, nine-hole guys um, who I faced in AAA earlier that year. And then all of a sudden, Derek Jeter comes over face loaded. And I'm like, oh, man, what do I do? But I started him off the breaking ball, actually, for a strike. And I ended up oh, striking him out. So. <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? I'll surprise him. <laughs> and now, your host, Drew Priestman. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. On today's episode, we've got to talk about two more absolutely devastating on either ends of the devastating spectrum losses for the Colorado Rockies. The first two games in Washington against the Nats. First one by a score of 11-1, to 1, which is its own kind of devastating, and, and we'll get into the specifics of that, that it's even in a way worse than the score indicates, and I'll clarify what I mean by that later. And then a 3-2 loss 
that has concluded just moments before I've begun recording this in the first game of a doubleheader when John Gray did not have his best stuff but really battled out there. Had to leave the game because of a leg injury. We'll keep you updated. So far, all we know, left calf tightness. That's all I know. That's all I'm going to say on that for now. But as I was saying to some of our Facebook Live folks here before I began, it's going to be a bit of a disjointed conversation. If if you want, I can get into the details of these two ball games and go over as I often do, all of the things that did not work and then the handful of positive signs that we saw of some key players. But I think it's fair to let this conversation grow a little bit more organically and at least begin with the first couple of comments here. Some of them are just emojis from Carrie and Adam, and you can use your imagination and you won't be wrong. And Brett, who simply writes, the season is over, stick a fork in it. And there is the logician inside of me. I'm not a mathematician. I oftentimes say, I I refer to the math when I say, there are only X number of games out and there are X number of games to play and that's all math. But there's a, a logic problem that I often have here. It's why I can't say there's no such thing as clutch. And why I often push our friend Manny Randawa to get philosophical right off. Why not? Let's just immediately peel everything back. And one of the most difficult things to do in the realm of logic, just of, of understanding rational thought, is to prove that something does not exist. Because in order to prove that something does not exist you have to prove that something cannot exist, more or less. Because all anyone has to do, for example, if you say there's no such thing as a purple and pink unicorn, they've never existed, right? That seems very plausible, but very difficult to prove. Because one day, all you have to do is find one example of that having ever had occurred. And in fact, this has taken place in real life with the giant squid. A real thing that we thought was myth and legend. Until it turned out, there's one. They found one, but that just, that's all you need. Logically speaking, it's very difficult for me to say the season is over. Because I know... Crazy stuff happens. Some teams go on runs. Other teams have total collapses. Those things in conjunction with each other create the perfect storm whereby teams that look dead even later into the season than we are now do crazy stuff and make a run into the postseason. The 2007 Colorado Rockies are an example of of such an occurrence. One of the all-time examples of such an occurrence. But the reason Brett is making this comment and the reason why the follow-up questions are all going to be on along these lines and why I'm beginning the conversation here rather than going pitch by pitch over what we've all just witnessed, and we'll get into some of that, is because we've reached the point of the season where as much as all of that may be the case, in the front office, you can't count on, you can't rely on an 07-like run to get you where you need to go. And you can't build around that as some kind of likelihood. The whole game of baseball and the reason I bring up logic so often is about percentages likelihoods why you don't say that things don't or can't or won't but highly unlikely and we're into the highly unlikely category now and it makes more sense for the Rockies opportunity to compete in the future if they keep All of their prospect war chest intact, if you want to think of it that way. So you're not moving out anybody 
from your minor league system to shore up the bullpen or the starting rotation. And in fact, you're going to be moving some pieces out. Unless there is some dramatic turnaround, and I mean in the next couple of hours, before most people have listened to this podcast, there will need to have been a turnaround in the nightcap of the doubleheader, and then the next day, and then the next day, the next day, the next day, and then they got to return home and sweep the Dodgers. And if they do that, but that's not even, is that enough time? I'd have to do it on the schedule. I'd have to take a look. I just don't know that there's time. Even that. They, they went out to the deadline. I still don't know. I still don't know. That's a tough that's a tough case to make after all we've witnessed here. These collapses from the bullpen are epic. They're not one piece away from fixing what's happening right now. Some of it's going to have to rely on their own guys being better, and if that's what the rest of the season relies on anyway, then you have to sell because then your season can still rely on that. Your own guys getting better. But I said, I, I again, to be consistent, I said before this series began that a split was a loss for the Rockies, that this was a must-win series, and at best, all they can do now is a split. We would have to see something epically remarkable in the next couple of days for me to think that the Rockies should do any kind of buying rather than selling. Adam, rightfully, I think, points out, Alonzo at least looked good. Uh, yeah, Yonder Alonzo did look good. It, it looks at least in a very small sample size, like they've upgraded their uh, final bench spot over what they were getting out of Mark Reynolds who is really struggling and it's a sad story and it's tough and everybody loves Mark and it's tough to see him fall just short of the 300 home run Mark. But uh, yeah, I, and I actually think Yonder will probably be decent the rest of the way. You're not going to get on base three times every game like you did today, but I think they can count on him for some good stuff there. Uh, Juan Miguel asked a question, which I've I've addressed a couple of times, but I know it's come up again recently with some John Morrissey article and a tweet or two or something. But Juan Miguel asked, about, are the Rockies really considering trading Charlie Blackman? No, I don't think so. What typically happens in these cases is that any general manager does their due diligence. Someone calls and, lists, uh, and asks you about a guy, you listen. You don't just hang up automatically. They say, hey, what would it take? It looks like you're kind of falling out of it a little bit. Would you move Charlie Blackman? You don't say, no. You say, well, what are you offering? Because if they say, we'll give you our top three prospects and we'll take all of his contract, then you say, yes, thank you. Sorry, Chuck. You've been a, a fantastic member of the organization. We'll love you forever. Thank you for all you've ever done. Uh, maybe one day we'll retire your jersey. And they haven't for Walker yet, and they should. But, you know, uh, the Thanks for everything, but we got to move you. That you listen in case somebody's really desperate. They think that Charlie Blackman is what puts them over the top to win the World Series. They've got a, a glutton of prospects they're willing to give up to you that could restack your farm system in terms of uh, pitching that you feel comfortable with going and and right into next season with guys that are ready to debut. Plus, they're going to take all of that money so you can invest it in other places to shore up some stuff. Yeah, you listen, but I don't think anyone's coming with that deal, partially because of the contract and partially because of his age. And I also think it's a tough Goldilocks zone to find where another team's got to have prospects who are close to contributing at the major league level because the Rockies are trying to compete next year. You don't sell Charlie Blackman in a move that brings you back a bunch of guys in single A or even double A 
Like, that's not – the Rockies aren't rebuilding. Selling and rebuilding are two completely different things, and I think those get mixed up a little bit, and, and that's why sometimes these narratives catch on. us go, well, they listened about Charlie Blackman, which you have to, and then you can write a technicality article saying, well, they're listening on Charlie Blackman, and it makes sense because the Rockies are falling out of it here. But the Rockies fully intend to compete next year. So the thing is, you can't just say it makes sense – from everybody else's perspective that they would try to get Charlie Blackman, what is a trade that would make sense from the Rockies' perspective? And that's where it's difficult to actually figure out something that would work because any team that is considering adding Charlie Blackman right now is trying to contend for the World Series. And if that's the case, they're also probably not looking to unload a bunch of young, promising arms from their system. That's just a rare thing that... To, to see unfold not impossible but I just don't think that it's very likely I think the Rockies still consider Charlie Blackman to be a part of their core a part of their core that will carry them right back into contending next season and that what they need to do is trim around the edges and find better role player pieces uh, particularly in the pitching department and the bullpen uh, but a few position players as well and I think that they are right in doing so, I, I think we have a ton of evidence that the Rockies' core is very good and that Charlie Blackman is a part of that. And while he's not what he used to be defensively, I think uh, his offense is going to continue to be fantastic. Uh, he's got like a 133 WRC plus this year, which is really tough for a Rockies player to do. A lot of that because he's really slugging the baseball. But that's a guy that you can continue to build around even if you've got to mess with his positions or even if you've got to go out of your way to get a, a defensive specialist in center field who can make up for some of the lack of range that he has out there in right. And I think that would be very much an interesting move that the Rockies could make, especially if they can find a way to move an Ian Desmond at the trade deadline or Daniel Murphy or both and, and, and get a little more creative with where Garrett Hampson plays. Maybe he's that guy. Maybe they go outside the organization. Who knows? Uh, but Mark says, yeah, I think we've definitely snuggled into the seller mode for the trade deadline. Keep the core and try to sell the rest. And that's exactly what I was saying. You, and I don't think there's anyone who would really make a good faith argument that Charlie Blackman is not a part of this team's core. I guess you could say that with his age, he's the one who's least likely to continue to put up his numbers over the next couple of years, but Charlie Blackman, in a lot of ways, is having a career year at the plate, and and we talked about this. Any one of you who's a longtime listener to the podcast knows that as soon as he really started to struggle in center field, my thought process went immediately to, but he, his power numbers were on the upward trend over that point of his career. Got to move him to a corner and kind of let him bulk up a little bit and continue to get that kind of old man strength, said the 32-year-old of the 33-year-old old man strength, but and kind of remake himself in the latter part of his career as this guy whose value is going to come almost entirely at the plate, and he has done that. He The wear and tear isn't there on his body. He doesn't run the bases like he used to. He doesn't play defense like he used to, but he is still one of the most dangerous hitters in all of baseball, and I think he's really zeroed in on that. And so... Yeah, I think you've got to consider him a part of your core moving forward because of all the value that he brings at the plate. And then you can and, and then all the clubhousiness stuff that I certainly love to go on and on about. And then you evaluate from there. Hey, before I get into the next question, I did want to mention that I think a lot of people know by now, but still Super cool that Breckenridge Brewery is now the official brewery of BSN Denver. I love this because they've always been one of my favorite breweries. I've always been, well, not always, since I've been of age, of course, a big fan of the vanilla porter uh, because I like those kinds of beers, especially in the wintertime. The oatmeal stout that they have is my girlfriend's personal favorite in the wintertime. And then we both like their uh, avalanche, the, the classic American amber ale for summer time though this year i do have to say that strawberry sky has really 
taken its place. Uh, it's been a fantastic, light-hearted summer ale for us to just sip on. Uh, it's not an, like an overpowering fruit beer. Uh, it might sound scary. It's got the word strawberry in there. If you're just saying, man, I just want to drink a beer. I don't need no strawberry stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, try this one. It's just a crisp summer beer. You're going to love it. You can check it out at any local liquor store or any of these other Breckenridge beers, you know they're good. Uh, and make sure you look out for our Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all the events that we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP, and make sure to have a good time. Mitch says a lot of people are calling for the head of Breidich, Black, everyone on the team, also calling for a full-blown rebuild. I think all of that is a bit dramatic. What is your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I think that's way overly dramatic. Again, if you've got a strong core to your team, but you've just been consistently let down by uh, the players, I guess you would say, at the, the lower end of the depth chart, the, the it, it, you can more easily go out and replace those players. This is a team that's gone to back-to-back postseasons that Breitage and Black have done a very good job of putting together for those runs and we've talked before about how progression isn't linear i think a lot of this really just is on individual players underperforming and as much as we all love him and as much as i think he's going to bounce back because you know denver hometown guy whatever a lot of this really does fall on the shoulders of kyle freeland who is better than he pitched this year. And I think he's going to be better next year, but I don't think that's Jeff Breidich's fault. I don't think it's Bud Black's fault. Uh, and, and there are other, I think that's just the biggest example, honestly, this year of that being the case. Uh, maybe there are some things the coaching could have done to minimize it or get him through it a little bit quicker. And those are always a bit more nuanced questions. And Unless you're really there every day watching them in practice, which even the journalists with the absolute most access don't get to see that kind of stuff uh, up close and personal. There's no way of knowing. And so I, I find it difficult to say that these guys who did put together one of the most successful stretches in franchise history from 2017 to 2018, that it is entirely their fault as well that this thing has fallen apart this year. Now, I do think they bear some responsibility. Everybody involved bears responsibility for what's gone on here. But that doesn't mean you tear the whole thing down and start over from scratch when you're beginning with one of the best players in all of baseball at third base still in the middle of his prime for a few years and potentially signed long-term. Next to him, one of the most promising and most talented all-around players in the game. Young players with the ceilings of Dahl and McMahon, the bearded one and all he brings that I just mentioned. That's your position player core with options and interesting pieces around that that include Rymel Tapia and Brendan Rodgers. Maybe we're going to see some things out of these young position player guys as we move through the rest of the season, like Sam Hilliard, Brian Mundell. How far away will Colton Welker be when we're having you know the, the spring training conversation next year? So it's And, and then pitching-wise... You've got to be impressed with what you've seen out of John Gray this year. And and so the question just is, are Marquez and Freeland done? If you're in the camp that they're just totally done, then I guess I could see the argument for a full-blown rebuild. But that would have to be your argument. That there's no way Marquez and Freeland are going to get back to even being like decent league average major league pitchers. And... That, that the rest of these guys aren't like like Sensatella, Lambert, they're they're not a thing either that the the there's nothing there. Then yeah, if, if it just turns out that this class of young Rockies pitchers all end up flopping, 
except one. And you could pick whichever one. Whether you think Gray will continue to build on what he's done this year. You think Marquez gets it back, but Gray falls back and Freeland continues to be bust. If it's only one and all the every single one of the rest of them down to Lambert and even Castellani after that, I think would be the last one. If they all flop, maybe then you do have to consider some semblance of a rebuild. But I just I don't think that's going to happen. And I think if you get two of those guys going well, you can you have enough other pieces to add a third somewhere through trade or free agency or something. But you, that's why they've got to start making these selling moves. That's that's the reason why to bolster that problem right there. I'm going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, just keep answering questions. And at some point, I will get into a little bit more of the details from these last couple of games, but I'm just going to keep going with the questions. Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. It's a fun place to have golf, but it's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course and is fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. All right, welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. I wanted to begin here with a comment from Adam that I'm actually going to sidestep because I know there's another question coming up later about it, but I want to put it in everyone's minds. He says, I really doubt the Rockies do anything at all at the deadline. And we'll get back to that because maybe there's an argument that that isn't such a terrible route to take, though I, I still just spoiler alert for that. I think they should do some stuff. Uh, Casey says it's getting to be so painful to watch these games with such high expectations. Yeah, uh, I would think at some point here the expectations would get lowered. You have any any fans of the old Mad TV out there? Lowered expectations. A weird dating show skit they used to do. It was hilarious. Um, Mary says, how much do you think Nolan's performance is being affected by the hit-by-pitches, foul balls off his legs and toes? Yeah, I think he showed it especially today. He, he tends to power pretty strong through that stuff, but it looked very clearly to be bothering him. He was late on swings. His swings were ugly. Uh, and when you don't have your legs under you, you can't hit. And he's been in a bit of a slump for a little while here. Uh, he did have a home run a couple of days ago but it's just he doesn't look like the same guy at the plate and it's always tough because I'm not a doctor I don't play one on TV or on podcasts and and it's always difficult to assess these types of things but you also can't totally sidestep it I oftentimes see 
reporters or analysts sidestep questions of health and 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 physical strength or stamina or where a guy's at physically because we don't know the details and so we stick with what we do know which I think is a fair position to hold but it's also a matter of fact that this is a game played by the physical body and if your physical body isn't 100% especially if it's in a particular way that impacts what you're trying to do out there it's going to have an effect on your results but how much do I think as as the question is phrased I have no idea but some I will I will say that I don't think the answer to that is zero percent. And and that's what's, you know, I, I probably have to kind of leave it there. But the last thing that the Rockies need when they're struggling already is their best player at. And nobody's ever at 100 percent in baseball, but whatever a normal 100 percent in baseball would be, which is like, let's say, 80 percent. Right. Is, is what you hope to be most of the time Nolan's at less than that and that's the last thing the Rockies need when they're struggling in a lot of other places and they're playing a series in July that could decide their season Cass seems to agree time to sell no reason to miss the opportunity to move the pieces you can Sam asks is this team the 2008 or the 2010 Rockies um, I think, I mean, other than the fact that the 2010 Rockies had stretches where their pitching was absolutely phenomenal, uh, particularly Jimenez and De La Rosa, I, I, I do think that more of the parallels have to go to the 2008 team who, it, much like this year, like we were just kind of talking about, it felt like a whack-a-mole of a season. That today, these last two games are a perfect example. And here, this will segue me for a moment into talking about some of the things I need to mention from the last couple of games. Peter Lambert pitched well, man. He pitched a good ball game. He, he, He went five and a third and gave up three, as it turned out, which isn't a great looking line. That first inning, he made two bad pitches as a 22 year old ball player he fell into a first of all he got squeezed on a 1-1 pitch should have been 1-2 against Trey Turner but that's going to happen and, until until the robot revolution that's going to happen so okay he falls behind him 3-1 you don't want to walk him because he's got speed you walk Trey Turner it's almost as good as giving up a double especially because the Rockies haven't always been the best at throwing guys out Tony Walters has been pretty good at it, but Rockies pitchers are sometimes slow to the plate. Anyway, and and Trey Turner's just a really good base stealer on anybody. You don't want to do that. But he threw, I mean, he couldn't have put that pitch more right down the middle. Lead off home run. Okay. Can't do that, but shakes it. Couple little hits. Curveball right down the middle. He's, he's a pitch away from getting out of it. He pitched really well. He was going to limit the damage. Guy on third puts curveball right, I mean, right down the middle. Pitch one. Matt Adams. Single through the right side. 2 nothing in the first. And then after that, Lambert pitched a hell of a ball game. The run, the the, the other run, you know, well earned. But that, that he made those two mistakes that really cost him. And he held his own, mostly did his job, and in so doing, of course, happened to be matched up against Steven Strasburg, who's out there doing crazy stuff. Rockies can't get any offense going. Well, technically, they got some offense going. They were getting runners into scoring position in each of the first several innings. But couldn't take advantage. They they couldn't maintain any kind of offensive momentum. And some of that was the fantastic pitching of Strasburg. And, and some of that's just the tough roll of the dice for schedule makers. And they happen to have this delay. And you got Lambert versus Strasburg now. And it's a tough matchup. But 
Rockies just couldn't come up with a key hit. And so there is this whack-a-mole, whatever you finally do get, against a great team out there, a good start from your 22-year-old pitcher. Not only can you not back it up with offense, but you can't even keep it close to give your offense a chance to make a real run against a Washington Nationals bullpen that has struggled because your bullpen implodes first and the game gets totally out of hand and you end up giving up 11 runs. That's what I was referring to earlier when I said that the score actually doesn't indicate quite how bad the game was because giving up 11 runs when you got that good a start from a 22-year-old just shows you that the no matter what you do, the bullpen's going to be a flip of the coin at the absolute best for the remainder of the season. Maybe they get hot, maybe they don't, but you're not going to fix it with one outside the organization guy. So that's followed up by, again, good performance out of Gray. Not terrible bullpen stuff, but each one of Bettis and Estevez give up a home run. So while they weren't awful, they, they gave up just enough to lose the ball game. And the offense has now gone, I think it's two for 22 with runners in scoring position in the series so far. Can't get the key hit with the guy on base. They're getting guys on base. They're getting guys to second. They're at times even getting them over to third. Can't get them in. There's been some excellent defense from the Nationals in this series, which I think goes once again to underscore one of the things that the Rockies had a year ago more of that they 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 don't have as much this year. And Brett, you're right. Gray did have five walks today, and so I, I do want to mention this. He was not fantastic. He was clearly not his best self. But he by no means imploded. He battled his ass off out there. And it, I think it's pretty clear when you see the way he just completely lost. Three of them were, one of them was intentional, and three of them were in that final inning that he worked, right, where he ended up walking Gerardo Parra with the bases loaded to bring in a run, which is always, always brutal. And it's always going to be tough to justify though I think it's pretty clear his command left him when his calf tightened up on him that said he limited it to that I could have been much much worse and on a day when he didn't a year ago on a day when he didn't have his best stuff John Gray would have given up five six runs one and it and it's tough that he couldn't go more innings, but again, the calf was the reason. Not he was at eighty pitches. I think if his calf is fine, he goes out there and goes at least another inning or two. And I bet he probably would have pitched really well. And then he's got a great looking line. So while he walked in a run and walked five guys, you're you're and you're right. You're absolutely right to point all of that out. What he also showcased is so much of what we don't see when things go spiraling out of control for the Rockies, whether it's starters in the case at times of Freeland or Marquez or the one time this year for Gray and one time this year for Lambert against Houston, multiple times for relievers, Davis, Shaw last year, all the time, right? What we see when those things happen is a failure to do exactly what John Gray did today. Yeah, you walked a guy with the bases loaded to bring in the tying run, which has got to be 
extraordinarily frustrating. And the human reaction to that is to tighten up, to get upset, to get frustrated, to try to throw the next pitch either super perfect or just blow it by him with the fastest thing you can throw. And then he gives up a grand slam. And now all of a sudden the fact that you walked in the tying run is a footnote on the fact that you gave up a grand slam that swung the game in favor of the other team or a ball in the gap or even a single to the right side. So what John Gray did today in that inning, when he clearly did not have it, whether it's injury, whatever reason, whatever reason, again, not a doctor, but he didn't have it. He found a way to pitch smart and get out of it and not let the game or the inning get out of control, which is what happens so often Happened in the first game of the series, a couple times in New York. And so, well, yes, it's it's not, I'm not saying you got to be thrilled with the start of, of John Gray today. It would have been great for him to go out there and pitch seven innings and zero runs, and then maybe the Rockies two hold up. Uh, but that's, you can't count on a guy to be able to do that every single time. That's just not human. You've got to be able to battle through those moments. And that's why I think the the second loss or, or the loss in the first game of the doubleheader is probably the, the tougher one to take. Because they had so many opportunities to drive in that key run and it really came down to Three pitches, two of them that went over the fence and one that ran inside on para. That, I mean, that's that's it. And that's a tough way for what I felt like could be a swing game in their entire season to go down. I still got to come out and play. But... I lost some of the questions here because the Facebook went out for a minute, but I believe it was Brett who expanded upon asking essentially, would it be such a bad thing if the Rockies did just play out the season, didn't make any moves at the deadline, kind of reassessed where they were in the offseason? A lot of the pieces that I'm suggesting right now that the Rockies could trade, the case would probably be very similar in the offseason that they could still trade them. Uh, none of them are impending free agents or, or rentals for the remainder of the year. They are guys who have contracts through at least next season in the case of, for example, Shaw, McGee, Murphy, Desmond for a couple more seasons. Uh, Davis, his contract runs through next year. And Caleb, yes, I do believe that there are teams out there that for the right deal would take McGee or Shaw, especially considering they have worked off most of their contracts. They only got to pay them through the rest of this season, maybe, and next year, or, or, or deals can always be worked out there to to split up the burden of a contract. But... Yeah, both of those guys are going to have value out there to a team, especially teams that are really trying to go for it and actually feel like they have great back ends of their bullpens, but they're looking for maybe a couple of bridge guys or maybe some guys who can just come in and eat an inning here or there, and they don't need them to pitch high-leverage situations like the Rockies sometimes need them to do. They just need them to eat up innings, and they would take them for that. But... And and I think they're worth a little bit more than that. I'm just saying that's kind of the floor level, the bottom level. Sometimes people don't think about it in those terms. They go, but I don't trust that guy to pitch with the game on the line. It's like, well, whoever's acquiring Jake McGee right now is probably not acquiring him as a team going into the postseason for him to pitch those high leverage innings. They're probably looking for him to come in and face one guy, not even necessarily a lefty because he has the reverse splits, as we talked about, but 
you know, you use him in matchup situations. You don't, um, you don't have him go out there and and pitch the. No one's going to acquire him to go out there and pitch the eighth in a one-run ball game when they're up. Maybe if they're down and they're kind of running out of guys, as we've seen, you know, with the Rockies before, when you have to reach down to that guy because you have to stay away from three dudes who pitched the last couple of games. Uh, then you got to reach to someone else and have them pitch the seventh or eighth. That's when another team could really use a Jake McGee or a Brian Shaw in a situation like that. But back to the question of whether or not it would be the worst thing in the world for them to stand pat, not necessarily. I mean, the argument in favor of trading at the deadline is that teams are generally a little bit more, I don't know, desperate is the right word, but there's certainly pressure on if you're having a good season to add that piece. We saw it a lot with the Rockies last year, and they got pretty well criticized for not being more aggressive at the deadline when people fans see that you're in a position to compete and and really go for it. They want to see you go out and get the big acquisition. They want to see you try. We, We saw that word a lot last year. And so sometimes because of all of that, and a myriad of other factors, just a legitimate, deeper understanding of where your team is at. Oh, we, we like the Braves last year, didn't realize we were going to compete quite this early. Our young guys have really caught fire. Let's add a piece or two quicker than we thought we were going to, uh, but we need to do it now. So there is a more pressure on other teams to make moves at the deadline and whereas in the offseason, they have a lot of other options, There's a lot of guys who are free agents. They could be dealing with any number of teams that they don't like a deal this week. Maybe a better one will come along next week or the week after where at this time they don't have that. That's why they impose a deadline. So I think it'll be interesting, but I, I, I don't think the Rockies should wait. I think they've got guys who are pitching well right now or playing well right now who would be obvious valuable pieces to teams looking to make a run. I think both Desmond and Murphy in particular would have a lot of value to American League teams where they can be moved around for matchups and and Murphy mostly used for his bat. But there is a lot of potential matchups out there to get some decent prospects, probably not great ones, and clear out a lot of money so that you can start spending it on the areas where you clearly have issues and and let the guys the young guys like David Dahl and Ryan McMahon take those torches at the position where you're clearing out some of the veterans and whether or not you've got young relievers to take that mantle will be determined in the end of the season throw Tinoco and Almonte and all those guys to the fire and if it doesn't look like they have it then you go shopping in the off season, and and you just if you're if you're Jeff Breidich or if you're a fan out there who's not a fan of Jeff Breidich, you're just hoping that he spends the money in ways that work out a lot better on the bullpen than the last time he did it, right? But that's the answer because I don't think it makes sense for the Rockies to spend big on starting pitching. I think it only makes sense for them to grow it or maybe potentially sometimes trade for it. I don't think they should spend big on free agent starting pitching pretty much ever. So that is the path forward. It's not the end of the road. If they don't do anything in the deadline, they let it all play out. They can still move a bunch of guys in the offseason. They can still just go and add a bunch of stuff in the offseason. They could go a lot of interesting directions with it. But I think someone out there could blink and give up a valuable piece for guys with good resumes, Murphy, Davis, Shaw, to some extent Desmond, though less so lately, good pedigree this season for some of those guys, and move something out of their system, kind of the way the Rockies did with uh, Forrest Wall and Scory Spansberger. <laughs> last season to get uh Hyung Won Oh <laughs> when they did that. Uh the Rockies could swing an inverse of that, get a couple of players of that caliber for a 
a Wade Davis or a Brian Shaw? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to wrap this one up here because I'll probably be doing another one after the night game. So I want to get this one out and about so everyone has the opportunity to listen to it. Thank you all so much for tuning in for this episode, despite everything going on with the team. Uh, I know it can be difficult out there, but there's going to be a lot to talk about down the stretch. Either way, uh, I really do think it behooves the Rockies to make some moves, so that'll all be newsworthy and interesting. And and some of the young players should really start to get more opportunities. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I guess you know what. There's a couple more games left in the set. They've got some time before this deadline. Maybe they turn the whole thing around on a dime, starting right this second. But uh, either way. We'll be here to talk about the ramifications and and the Rockies need to be able to pivot very quickly into building toward competing for the NL West in 2020 if that's what they need to do. And and so hopefully we'll be able to be reporting on what the moves they're making are to do that. So either way, stick around with us. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out, everybody. Make sure to follow us on social media at BSN Rockies. At Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. Subscribe to bsndenver.com for all kinds of fun exclusives. Hopefully you got to read Patrick Lyons' article on Bud Black's memories of the infamous Pine Tar game. That is a must-read if you haven't yet subscribed. Actually, that one's free, but it's a good example of the kind of content you get when you do subscribe. So go check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, I I think it'll convince you. I I think this is the kind of story that will convince you that uh, especially down the stretch what we're going to be doing uh, talking to Bud Black and certain players about some of these other things especially if it looks like the team's not going to compete as much there's still going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about to read uh, to write and so uh, hopefully you all enjoyed that one or will enjoy that one as much as I did so thank you so much for listening in and continuing to be absolutely awesome 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 easy for me to say and I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Hey guys, I was just sitting here talking to Lindsay about Total Bev's new app. It's incredible. You can shop 5,000 different wines, 2,000 beers, 3,500 spirits, anytime, anywhere. Better yet, you can have Total Beverage shop for you and pick it up inside prepaid and waiting for you. Wait a second, that is so cool. So can I still get it delivered if I use the app? Absolutely. I know you guys have heard of their delivery service. Total Beverage will deliver to your house within 90 minutes or less. We can even save you 10 bucks on a purchase of 50. Use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout. What's also amazing, BSN fam, if you can't find an item you want, Total Bev will give you suggestions of similar items on the shelf. Or you can request a special item right from your phone. It really doesn't get much better than that. Remember, use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout to save. That's T-O-T-A-L-L-Y 10.